and welcome rugby fans of course to the familiar clubhouse vibe that you know with your team here from the rugby rant podcast show a reminder and for those of you that don't already know my name is ty braga host to this activity that we do each and every week here on trn and of course on our social media but more importantly by my side, as per usual, two of my colleagues, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt and Scott the Big Guy Ferrara. We are the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. So, boys, as it is tradition in our new format for 2022, it has become a very popular segment with our fans, is what we like to be able to call Around the Pitch. So in a quick fire round, we're going to share what we think is newsworthy from across the nations when it comes to everything rugby related. And on this occasion, I think we're going to swing the ball left. To my top left, we have Scott Ferrara, who's going to start us off. Well, man, we're cooking today as 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 we record this uh, this morning. Um, it was known that uh, Utah Warriors have released Sean Pittman as their head coach. So I'm going to read this statement that they put up on their social media. We are committed to being standard setters in the MLR. Unfortunately, the outcomes on the field aren't reflective of the talent we believe is currently on this roster. As we progress through 2022 and 2023, we are committed to establishing a strong player base and finding the right people to lead our on-field efforts. In the end, we thank, we're we thankful for the work Sean has put in to progressing the Utah Warriors and wish him all the best. Um, you know, and then they, they go on and, and they say that they're trying to strive to, uh, to be the best in the MLR. You know, they, they thank Sean again. They thank uh, his family and, you know, wish them luck. Um, I think it's big news, but I think, um, you know, as my father likes to say, welcome to the NFL. This is going to happen now. You know, <laughs> right, right. Sport. I mean, now it's, it, you got to deliver results. It's a competitive league. As it matures, the, ch- you know, the challenges will become more difficult. Um, and yeah, Utah was, you know, it was a contender for those, one of those playoff spots last season. So I imagine if you're in that camp, you would be a little disappointed with where they are standing right now. Uh, but it's not uncommon what's been happening across the league is we've had a few other changes. And perhaps on that note, it's a good time to hand it over to Rob Hammerschmidt. Yeah, before I talk about my around the page segment, folks, people that watch on a consistent basis are lovely fans. Keep in mind that next week's episode will actually be with uh, RPK with Brandon Sparks, the GM of the Utah Warriors. So we're going to be talking to him about the change and some of the the reasons for doing so and which direction that they might take moving forward. So uh, check us out next week. Utah fans pay attention, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And by the way, Ashley Burge will be on as well. She's a great voice from the Utah Warriors. We can't wait to have uh, uh, somebody, uh, you know, a female voice, particularly um, on the show once again. Uh, but my around the pitch this week, in the same vein as uh, the big guy there, uh, just like he was cooking, I'm gonna I'm gonna nail this one down because I am a hammer. Um, last week, OGDC <laughs> coach Andrew Douglas um, is out as head coach. That was on the 29th of March, just at the end of the month. An interim coach is none other. Then Nolan Nate, we can't call him Nolan Nate anymore. He's <laughs> Nate OG um, because he will be the interim coach for OGDC. Uh, and he's going to shepherd the team through the remainder of the 2022 uh, season. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the, uh, you know, after the season's over, if they keep Nate and, and find an opportunity for him or if they go in a different direction. Right. Nate Osborne, for those who aren't familiar, is – uh, or at least was what now is because he's returning to MLR, the longest serving MLR coach, as far as I know, right? Um, so, yeah, a great talent to be able to have returning, a wonderful rugby mind, and of course, a fan favorite here on the show because we've all had the opportunity to meet him. And he's uh, one of those guys that you're just happy to be able to sit and talk rugby about at any occasion because he certainly is a wealth of knowledge. So I want to be able to take the opportunity to dive into my next one, and that's going to be taking us to the USA Eagles match, which is going to be a part of the next step in the qualifying process for Rugby World Cup 2023. Now, of course, you could argue that the USA Eagles might have and should have and would have had a better path if they had had better results up until now. Let's set that all aside and focus on what's next. Chile. 
That is their competitor. That's who their challenger is. And they're going to meet on July 16th, Infinity Park. If you haven't yet had the opportunity, go and grab some tickets. They're very reasonably priced. It is going to be a sellout crowd. I will be there as well on the microphone as the announcer. There's a whole nother great reason to be there. Um, <laughs> selling myself out there a little bit. But uh, it, it really is going to be a do or die opportunity for, for the U.S. Um, and why I say that is, is that you're going to be two legs. The first is on July 9th against Chile in Chile. That venue is still yet to be decided. Um, but, of course, they want to make sure that they play well away to set themselves up for a really, really great finish in that second leg, which is July 16th at Infinity Park at 1 p.m. It's going to be a wonderful matchup and a great atmosphere there, as it usually is at Rugby Town USA. But I did want to add a couple of additional points for those who aren't familiar with what happens there. Uh, it is two rounds. They will be the best of those two matches uh, that will go through with a direct pathway to America's position two in the Rugby World Cup for 2023. Should the team that loses, sorry, the team that loses this bout will have one more opportunity, but they'll have to go into a tournament later this year where other teams from other regions will have to compete for that last and final repressage spot. Uh, so certainly it, it isn't really the end of the road, but why would you want to leave it for the last mile to be able to put the foot on the gas, right? Uh, so definitely USA wants to be able to come out with this as a win. That's my piece. So let's hand it over to Scott Ferrara again. So uh, we're going around the globe with this one. Uh, we're headed over to six, uh, the uh, TikTok Six Nations in Italy. Cat uh, Roach uh, in the middle of the field doing her second uh, officiating job there. Her last one for the TikTok Six Nations. Interestingly enough, they, they had the uh, somebody come over and, and be like the honoree for the coin flip. Uh, USC Eagle Alona Mar. Um, you know, if uh, people don't know or, or just started, you know, it being involved in rugby, Alona Mar one of the um, people who kind of set up women's rugby, specifically, you know, women's USA sevens rugby in the Olympics, um, going through her social media on TikTok, um, bringing it to the forefront of rugby, especially women's rugby. And I, I ultimately, I believe, becoming the uh, Six Nations uh, women's sponsor, the TikTok Six Nations. So, you know, two Americans leading the forefront in the Six Nations by not even playing in them. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's amazing to be able to see, and TikTok as well, super involved with the Women's Rugby World Cup coming up as well. Um, so it's lovely to be able to see such an incredible sponsor back the sport, but not only in, in, at, at its highest levels, uh, but also all versions of the sport and helping it to grow at the same time and choosing ambassadors like Alana Mo and, of course, Kat Roach uh, for, for her effort uh, in Six Nations as well. Let's hand it over to uh, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. Let's see if he's still nailing it down. A hundred percent. And so uh, we just need better the... writers on the show, by the way. <laughs> no, no, we're good. Cause um, quite frankly, you heard it here, folks. Ty single-handedly is selling out infinity park for yeah. that match against Chile. He it gets a commission folks. Yeah, yeah. So you buy a ticket to see me, and the benefit, the uh, curtain raiser is the USA Eagles. There game. happens to be a rugby <laughs> match going on at the same time. That's right. So it's all good stuff. And um, uh, on a more note i think fans need to recognize the significance of this match uh, of those two matches um the home and away against chile because of course uh you know the u.s we should know if we're going to be hosting the world cup in 2031 by that point they're going to make the decision in may but that certainly would be a great springboard uh getting into the world cup qualifying for the world cup in 2023 and that way we can build over the next couple of world cups to of course the penultimate should we get granted the world cup but i want to talk a little bit about something more domestic and that is the pr sevens has been announced um, in terms of their dates and their venues so their locations and it's something we'll talk more about in the rant of course but i want to talk just about the basics here last year 2021 was a single event i think if i'm not mistaken that event was october October 9th. Is that correct, gentlemen? That's right. That's uh, correct. In, in Memphis, uh, Scott, the big guy, Ferrara, was there in person, um, and uh, they recognized him. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, he had lots of groupies come up and want his autograph and everything else. It was kind of cool. And who wouldn't want the big guy's autograph? Um, but this year, a couple of changes, which I think are important to note, three dates. So as promised last year, that was a little taste. Okay, now you're getting a little bit more three dates. Here's what we got. San Jose, July 9th um, at um, 
that would be PayPal Park, uh, Washington, D.C., July 16th at Audi Field, and the championship at Austin, Texas on July 30th, Q2 Stadium. And uh, I'm going to say it right now, I'm backing the experts to return uh, for no other reason than I think my guy, David Fee, is going to be back on the bench, hopefully, supporting the experts uh, in a coaching role. Um, I, I'm living and dying by that one. Support I like how guy. you added that. I mean, that's brilliant. First of all, I, lo- I love that whole piece. It's so great to be able to see that a promise that was made in rugby is actually now coming to fruition <laughs> this season. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we've unfortunately gotten used to being disappointed as American rugby fans, but you know, PR sevens clearly brought forth an amazing product last year. Uh, you know, the big guy himself will vouch for that, you know, having been so close. In fact, you were on field, right? I mean, oh, yeah, I was on field. You're lacing your boots, but you were on field. As a matter of fact, you know who else is on the field there? Check out RPK guest uh, Marquise Goodwin, who's going to be on the show later in the show. Oh, Absolutely. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Nice call there. Um, so I, I also love, though, how you added, you know, my, my buddy Dave Fee, he's going to be there on the bench. And then you added supporting and a kind of coaching role. Yeah, I right. Like right. <laughs> well, you know, well, my man, he has up? a lot on his plate. He's a father <laughs> of young kids. He's got the USA thing going. He's got, of course, he actually he actually works for a living too. And then he's got a couple of irons over. He was coaching the Southside Irish here in Chicago. I think he's right. doing a little something else with the Carfu side. I mean, I don't, I don't know how that man stays married, but um, his bro. wife rugby is an wise, absolute right? saint. Or rugby widow. Absolute saint. <laughs> So let me dive into the last piece, talking about great pedigree in rugby, somebody who loves, eats, and breathes rugby. We're talking about somebody who recently joined us last week, Sam Windsor, formerly the Sabercats, now Rugby New York, and of course, I think MLR. He's been there since the inception, and he has now become not only recently one of those elite members of the 50-cap club. If you're not sure what that means, you receive 50 appearances in professional rugby in Major League Rugby. So it's a wonderful achievement. There's only four or five names, I think, on that list so far. It'll continue to grow throughout the season. But he is the first person ever right now, according to our sources, and let me get phrase it correctly, to have 50 starting appearances. So not only is it 50 times on the field, but being in that starting ro- roster, running on for the opening whistle 50 times. Congratulations, Sam Windsor. You've made history and you deserve it, my friend. And, and folks, if you haven't gotten a chance, join us at Patreon, right? Because you'll get the full RPK from last week with Sam Windsor. You can check it out. He is actually awarded for that 50th cap, a 50 cap you know, like a black and gold MLR right. official cap. Uh, we've got it photographed on, on there. He's actually and I'm kind of curious, Rob, and maybe, yeah. maybe because I have a different perspective. I grew up with the, the idea and the notion of receiving a cap at, you know, your highest levels, your national yeah. colors through cricket and rugby and all different sports. It's very common, but I don't think that's a very familiar term in the U S though. Right? No, it's not. No, not really. And, and I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, if it's something at the club level, because, you know, even at the club level, it'd be great to do it, but we don't have manufacturers or companies that commonly produce the caps. So it isn't something right. that we do, you know, um, it depends it on the club. Really- I, I know some clubs who do it. As a matter of fact, Rooney did it in 2019 and 2020 um, for people who had their first cap at Rooney, they were actually presented the, the actual yeah. cap. So for those that aren't familiar, you know, it's one of the great traditions in sport, but in particular, we're talking about rugby and they literally are donned with a cap, like a hat. Now it's one of completely different design to here, but it is a great representation of that milestone of representing your team in a certain amount of appearances or at a certain level of the game. Um, So whenever somebody says that a team an experienced team going into the Rugby World Cup should have more than 500 caps. You now know what they're talking about. It's collectively their team should have more than 500 international appearances. Mm-hmm. And that's how they measure experience. And that's the key is that once you reach that milestone of having 50 appearances at MLR and then an even higher level, having 50 starts like Sam Windsor has, you're in a club of your own, my friend. <laughs> yeah, what, what's, what's interesting, to, uh, Scott and I found this out last week, uh, is that the first 50 players – to reach that milestone are getting that cap. So it's kind kind of an exclusive club, which is Mm -hmm. cool. But I did notice again, as I talked about last week, Joey Baki, who's a uh, a Illinois product. He actually got his first cap with Utah two or three weeks ago. 
uh, and he was awarded a cap. So it seems to me that some teams are doing this. Um, Wonderful. Which is a really cool I thing. hope it's embraced across the league, and yeah. then so it filters down to all other levels of the game, because for me, it's one of the great traditions uh, of rugby that I hope will be embraced, and one of those few transplants from the rest of the world that might actually take root here in, uh, in the U.S. and Canada. So, boys... That's it for the Around the Pitch. And I want to be able to remind everybody that what we do here is not done without the help of some great sponsors. One of which, American Rugby Outfitters, has decided to be able to create an entirely new line for the Rugby Rat merch. So we want to give you a quick reminder that you got to go and check it out. It's not open yet. They're busy printing it, I believe. Rob got, Robbie's got his ear to the ground. I think he's pretty much got a direct line. He's the one who's been pushing this forward for us. And we say thanks. But we want to make sure that you keep your eye open. We're going to keep you updated when that merchandise store goes uh, ahead. But in the meantime, go and check out rugbygear.com. If it's not the merch from us, there's plenty of great international gear covering club rugby to international rugby and everything in between. So whether it be cleats, socks, boots, you can get it all through rugbygear.com. So make sure you go and check them out today and keep an eye on them even further when you see that rugby merch for the Rugby Rant store opening very shortly. The, and we'll make the, sure that we share it with you. The store is open. It's actually under the team section. So you can go to the drop down menu. It says Rugby Rant team store and uh you can actually place your orders they're running some um some of the products now so that they can be shipped immediately for people who order them fantastic even better look at that so you see that's why we're going to have good people on the show rob's <laughs> like uh ty uh it is going now yeah, not it's coming it's, it's there now it should be coming to your home and that's how you do it you go get a place your order thank you very much rob uh, and without further ado, let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a few short moments, continuing forward with our familiar rugby rant debates. With over 37 years of experience, American Rugby Outfitters have been dedicated to providing quality rugby gear to those who like to get dirty. The ARO team prides itself in delivering the highest quality rugby gear that will withstand the punishment rugby dishes out. Brands such as Adidas, Barbarian, Gilbert, Canterbury and Protec will deliver when the game gets tough. Whether you need team uniforms, boots, bags, field equipment, or swag for the Postmass Social, ARO is your source for quality rugby gear. They can set up your club or business with a team store like they did for us to ensure every member looks as good as the pros. If the international game is your vibe, ARO will carry you across the line with officially licensed gear from the Eagles, Springboks, All Blacks, England, Ireland, and Wales, amongst others. Visit RugbyGear.com and check out all that the folks from American Rugby Outfitters have to offer. Use the code RANT15 to get a 15% discount site-wide. As an added bonus, when the items in your cart are $100 or more, you get free shipping to anywhere in the continental United States. Don't forget to check out our line of Rugby Rant gear available exclusively at RugbyGear.com. Don't forget to use RANT15 to get 15% off your order site-wide. American Rugby Outfitters dedicated to the toughest demands in the world's toughest game. And welcome back, rugby fans. Of course, it's time for the rugby debates. But on this occasion, we're going to do it slightly different. Why? Because we can. And more importantly, how is this going to work? Well, we've got three of us now, and I'm going to take a little bit more of an involved seat as a debate here, uh, because we're not going to be able to give each of us an opportunity to rant like we usually would, where we just fire like a machine gun all the important points we want to get out before we go to open format. Now, instead, we're going to give us just an opportunity to be able to talk about some of these final points as we tackle them each one by one. But more importantly, what are we going to talk about? Well, we kind of alluded to this a little bit in our Around the Pitch segment, thanks to Rob Hamishman, who brought this up. PR7s. It is important to be able to recognize that PR7s first started October 9th with its launch back in 2021. It was already designed to be an experiment to be able to prove the concept that hopefully would set it up for success in 2022. What does that success look like? Well, we've got three events. So far, we see it being planned for San Jose, D.C., and finishing, culminating that series in Austin, Texas. So already a promise that was made has been delivered, at least in part. They have these great dates that are set aside. However, those dates happen to conflict with some other major, major rugby events. More importantly, the biggest thing on the calendar this year for any USA rugby fan, qualifying for the Rugby World Cup. 
And that happens on July 9th and July 16th, where we will take the opportunity, as I mentioned before, to compete against Chile for that second spot, America's second spot, uh, which will give us our next direct pathway to a Rugby World Cup in 2023, hosted by France next year. Gentlemen, a lot of people have been saying online, why the heck would they pick a date like this uh, when they know rugby fans are tuning into the biggest event or what many may consider as the biggest, most important thing, qualifying for the Rugby World Cup? And they didn't only do it once, they did it twice with the away, away leg and the home leg. So I'm going to hand this over to Rob to start us off. What do you think they were thinking? You know, at first I thought they were crazy. Uh, but now I think maybe they were crazy like a fox. And and I say that only because, you know, yes, there is a bit of a conflict, but let's face it, you know, the first leg of PR7s when when there is, sorry, the second leg of PR7s uh, when there is a, a domestic conflict because USA right, rugby the DC will be in, segment, in, yeah. Right, will be in Colorado or in Glendale, right? I don't know how many people are going to be traveling from the East coast going out to Glendale to watch that game. Right. Somebody like Scott, for example, could easily take a train down to, you know, DC from New York or from Philly or from the major cities that have a really rich rugby culture. And they can Mm -hmm. easily get to the PR sevens on that leg, but I don't see a lot of people going out West. You know, you may see folks from the West coast go to Glendale to take in that rugby match. Right. So in a sense, you know, there's these two great events, but because they're they're there's on separate parts of the country, it may actually work out just fine right. if they play their cards well. And we can talk a little bit about what that means in it. Geographically, in a actually, the size of America is an advantage in this case right. because you're not drawing from the same markets. Uh, so I like yeah, that. But, That's a really strong point to bring up. I mean, but I think is is as a newer um, you know event. You know, they had the one event last year, and again. I got to be honest, even when I was on the field, all the guys playing were like, had the Eagles do. Had the Eagles right, because, do. Had I, the and Eagles we didn't do. mention it, but on the same thing happened last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so last year when I was there, um, USA was playing the second leg against Uruguay down in Uruguay. Uh, we lost that one 34 to 15, which pushed us into this this uh, test against Chile. And, you know, it was one of those things where I was, and it was weird. I was the only press guy in the press box I had my phone on flow watching that match while PR sevens was going on because, you know, in my head, I'm like, you got to, is that kind of like watching, watching like another girl while you're kissing your girl? I just, I felt it. I mean, I was invested in both because I was like, I, you know, we need to qualify for this world cup. Um, you know, be it, it being in Europe, it's something that Americans can, you know, readily have access to in this time of COVID, you know, so I felt it very important that we got to qualify to there because at a certain point in 2023, it's going to open up and we're going to go. But at, for the PR sevens, why didn't you want to own the weekend? Like, you know, right. when you see, when you see, you know, HSBC sevens in, in, in Las Vegas or in LA now, they own the weekend, right? They come in, they're going to do it this weekend. And yeah, now they're kind of mixing in with the MLR schedule, I think to try and USA rugby is trying to, you know, put push, you know, put kind of pair up with the MLR, but originally in Vegas, they own the weekend. You have three weekends you can do this. Two out of those three weekends, you're going to compete with viewership on USA Rugby. Now, I know a lot of people, and I mean, me and Rob talk to people all the time. When watching MLR, me and Rob are psychos. We watch every match. Even if it's the replay the next day, we want to watch the rugby. There's a lot of people who are only watch their team. So I wonder what the split's going to be like after they watched the Eagles win or lose on Flow. Are they going to stay to watch uh, PR7s, which I think is on FS2? You know. Or they're just going to kind of tune out and say, I've had enough rugby for the day. You know, it's also one of those days where I'm sure club rugby is going to be playing. They're going to be playing their summer sevens tournaments. So are you losing viewership? Because, okay, so not only not only did we watch the Eagles, then we played our sevens tournament uh, schedule in in, uh, um, in the afternoon going into the nighttime. But, but here's the thing. And uh, uh, before I get too far, I, I have to rewind the tape, but I'm pretty sure – uh, Ty suggested that your girlfriend kisses another girl, which is kind of hot. <laughs> no, but, uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, here's what is also kind of hot. <laughs> Let's not forget that the PR sevens is a two day event. So while you're going to see some right. of the, the, you know, the um, uh, uh, matches within 
you know, each of the um, pools uh, happen on Saturday, you're going to see the finals on Sunday. So they're going to be able to take advantage of, uh, you know, that Sunday rugby where you're not going to have conflicts with club sevens, Mm -hmm. you know, festivals or tournaments, and you're not going to have a conflict, of course, with USA. Right. And everybody knows the sevens tournament, the last day is the best day. Right. No matter what sevens tournament it is, um, and people love that festival vibe. They love the atmosphere, and generally, all of that is concentrated um, I, on the final day. I, th- I think you're incorrect. I thought they were just doing one day events at at these places, Rob. I'm well, looking no, at it's, now. I'm looking I, now. I thought it's, it listed. I thought it listed. Last year it was a one day event. No, I believe. Yeah, no, it's it's one day events. It's July 9th only in San Jose. It's July 16th only in DC. And then it's July thirtieth right. only in Austin, right? And so Austin, Austin is yeah, and Austin is where it's going to culminate in crowning the champions. That's a good point, though. So you know they got everything focused on one day's activities. So it kind of furthers our, our, our you know our original question: Why choose something that's the exact same date as another big major rugby event on on the calendar? Um, which they have to be able to assume they were privy to that information because they run in similar circles, um, you know, and you can only, you know, circling back around to something that Rob said that maybe geographically it won't affect them, but let's talk about some of the challenges that could affect them. Would attendances be affected? Would viewership be affected? Um, you know, you kind of alluded to a little bit of it a moment ago, Scott, when you spoke about uh, FS2 being kind of one of the, the key broadcast partners. Um, and then will, will people tune in after watching one game there and then tune back in to catch the other half? Uh, the game for, for, for in, in at least in Infinity Park, I don't know about it when the leg the first leg in July 9th, is at 1 p.m. So you could. You, you could finish watching that game at 3 p.m. And by, you know, 4 and 5, where I believe it kind of kind of culminated at the last time, catch the last and final, you know, well, the actually, and, and the finals. Actually, so for the, fir- the first leg, um, you would actually hit – the, the Eagles match would probably end and you'll roll into the start of the tournament um, for, mm-hmm. for San Jose. And then set, probably same thing for D.C. Um, there, it looks like there's 3 p.m. Eastern start times. Um, for both of these, but here's the thing, you know, FS2 only showed the last hour of the event. These are seven hour events. So, you know, is there, you know, are you going to go into, okay, uh, watching USA Eagles waiting another seven hours or six hours and watching late at night, the PR sevens, when you probably are at your socials or you finish your socials or you did this, or you did that. I don't know. I think it might be a stretch. And also a lot of these venues are 18, 20,000 seat venues. And I mean, when we were at uh, the venue in Memphis last year, we had about 4,500 people in the 20,000 seat venue. Right. And and that was the AutoZone Park, which was the minor league uh, 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 baseball, baseball stadium. A, a great setting. But yeah, you know, 5,000 people. Uh, I bet you they had a great crowd, but it's certainly not filling the stadiums. Um, so l- let's talk about attendances for a moment, though. Rob, what do you think? And viewership. So I think we have to keep in mind that remember the USA match will be on flow and, and uh, while people like us, we're going to be subscribers of flow regardless. There are a lot of folks and that are rugby fans that just won't divvy up the $120 a year to pay for flow or even 20 bucks for the month to watch the two, the two games. Um, So which is you know, sad in its own way. Um, right, which exactly. And so they made me more likely to tune into, you know, FS2 to watch the PR7s because if they have cable, it's accessible, right? Um, right. But I, I got to wonder if perhaps a deal couldn't be brokered here that's mutually beneficial. In other words, let's just say PR7s got together with USA Rugby and said, look, we'll broadcast the Eagles match, you know, if, if, if it's going on at the same time or if it's before or slightly after, we'll broadcast the match on the Jumbotron during the PR7s match so that and, and have a break in the action again before or after or somehow a break in the action so folks can actually have an opportunity to watch the Sevens, have an opportunity to watch the Eagles and kind of broker some sort of deal. Right, make it an all-around rugby experience. Make it an all-around um, rugby experience. I definitely see the value as a fan if you're if you're there and you're kind of torn between, you know, what you want to be able to view and you're forced to be able to make a choice, but you love the lovely rugby experience because you're closer to that, so you go to, to, to the sevens. But you still want to know about the, the USA game. I imagine, though, as the promoters of that event, you want all 
all the focus, all the attention to be only on your on your stuff, though. So I wonder if they might view that differently as a distraction and not an attraction. Um, and it can be if, if it is the case that it distracts from, can you imagine if you're, if you're actually playing some of it live and then you need a cut to be able to go back to the on-field action and it's a tight game, how people might feel, you know, do they just suddenly turn away to their phones and stop watching the action there because their mind is somewhere else? Yeah. And I mean, as far as I know, you know, it didn't seem like they were very, um, you know, they were looking at USA rugby as a, you know, a, a direct competition to them, I guess, because it's on flow. Um, you know, they were, they got, I think what half a million viewers on FS2 for that last, that last uh, couple, which is fantastic numbers. Yeah. I mean, to put that it's in great numbers. The 2019 final for the MLR had 500,000 uh, views uh, and that, you know, it, it, it puts it in context. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Game. But, you know, but they, they own that. We, they own that weekend last year on television per se. Right. I think what we have to, I, I'm wondering if, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I, what, what we need to rug, uh, the women's world cup is in October. So we're not sure exactly, you know, most likely the camp will be September, right? So obviously they won't be playing in September, um, you know, the, the, these, these matches. So I'm just looking at right. the calendar real quick. of HSBC. And that's the other challenge. You know, you're, you're, you keep, keep searching there yeah. because we want to be able to see if there is a window, but that's the other right. challenge. If, it, if it's not now, well, then when? Right. Well, and and, and, and that's what I was gonna I was gonna add that here as I was kind of thought. Well, why didn't they just push it forward a bit? And well, here's why: because the HSBC seven starts in late August. I think their first run is the twenty fifth, twenty sixth of August. Well, you're gonna want some of those Perry Baker and you know some well, of those right. guys gonna, to be in camp. Double duty. So the way the way it shakes out is you know um, this week uh, they're in Singapore, um, then they're in Vancouver, um, and the women are in uh, Langford. Uh, in, in a couple of weeks. So there's a big gap, all of, so there's, there's no women. The last, the last leg of the women's is Toulouse in on May 20th to the 22nd. Right. And then the men continue, but they're in right. London on May 28th, 29th. So we know July, there's nothing June and July. There's nothing, but June, you're talking about MLR playoffs. So you don't want to keep right. right. And then right. the international window for July. Exactly. Right. But the let the last event is the LA sevens. In Which, late August, so right, my point 27th is seventh and twenty eighth. Yeah, so my point is, if you pushed it to early August and did it, you know, or, or started you you start in July, late July, and then push it to the to the last week in July and the first two weeks in August. I mean, I think you can. But own don't all you weekends. think? Don't you think uh, Mike Friday wants his guys in camp several weeks before the LA Sevens right. tournament and, to and kind you don't of want to be stretching those legs uh, too right. thin? You know, um, I, I mean, they but yet, but they've been playing now for an entire, you know, season. So I don't. I'm not. You know, I. It seems as though people are just kind of going where they're going to go. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, I mean, especially now when you look at the the roster, there's been so many changes and who's getting arrested and who's injured and who's doing this and who's doing that. I'm, I just wonder, you know, could there, was this the sweet spot or could have you found a, a more of a sweet spot, you know? Right. And you bring us some really good questions there is that, is there a better window? And, and if this doesn't work out for them this time, they may have to be able to table that conversation for now, but revisit it later. But let's talk about it that it is set as the, from the ninth, you know, to, to the 16th and then finishing in, in Austin a week later, how can they make this the best possible uh, event with the challenges in mind that we spoke about? What's your opinion guys? Well, I think it goes, it comes down to rosters. And last year there was kind of a letdown in the rosters and things like that. And it was due to injury, due to this, due to that, due to people committing, then they didn't commit. And then who is being pulled to that 15 squad? The problem you get to is the women's 15 squad. You see more crossover from women's sevens to women's 15s on our national team. So if they decide they wanted to have the camp earlier, so maybe they told everybody, hey, we're having the camp in August. We're not having it in September. Or it's mid-August and we need you here, you know, or we're doing a two-month camp. You know what I mean? So then that changes the whole thing. We don't know that for a fact, but it just seems to me like they picked it for a reason. I think it has to do with the women's side. Yeah. You could be right. I and mean, then there must be some rhyme or reason to, to, to these dates. What do you think uh, though, Rob? Uh, I, you know, I, I'd love to know. I mean, we, we, we should try to get uh, folks <clears throat> on here and, and, and again, and talk a little bit about that selection component. 
uh, what it speaks to me is a larger question that I've always put out there um, as a as a point of concern is that there's too many entities vying for the calendar that don't have mutually beneficial interests. And so in rugby in USA rugby, and they're trying to parse out a small piece of the rugby um, viewing public pie. Right. And it seems to me that if they, if, if, if USA rugby took a little bit more leadership role and, and granted that would be a big leap for a lot of organizations like the MLR, like PR sevens, um, to be able to, to to be willing to do that because they haven't ge- engendered enough trust to be able to take that leadership role up to this point, of course, coming out of bankruptcy. But if they could, to bring people to the table and go, okay, let's map out a calendar between college, you know, 15s, between college sevens, you know, between PR sevens, between, you know, international window, the MLR, can we create a rugby calendar in the United States? It's a little bit more meaningful, a little bit more fruitful for all group so that we can, you know, um, grow the rugby public uh, yeah. in a much, in a You're much talking more about one way. of the most like elusive things, like the Absolutely. Fence, right. Is to be able to bring all the tribes together under one chieftain. Um, right. And it's, it's about putting away the egos, you know, and I guess maybe that's, right. that's for me. There is you know, a lot I, of mistrust, as you said, yeah. too. So it, it's, it's yeah. not totally on, on false ground. No, it's yeah, not. It no, it's be, not. It would be wise to to find some sort of commonality, to find some sort of uh, uh, leadership that can take that role. Because yes, they, they're counterproductive. You know, they're working against each other. And as you so rightly pointed out, the rugby pie of, in terms of viewership is only so big. Yes, we're continuing to be able to endeavor to grow it, but it's not growing at a pace similar to how many things are being introduced to the rugby right. calendar, and they're overpowering each other. They're in a battle locked against each other. And that's what's happening in this event right now, which is why it overlaps with the USA rugby. So you bring up a really solid point there. And that is the bigger question. How do we fix that? And that's one that maybe some of our fans would love to be able to dive in on there. And you can tell us what you think by following us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod on all social media. Tell us what you think. Maybe you got the answer. Do you agree that we should have a common calendar that certainly marks out what event is happening when? And everybody has that window protected. So, of course, there isn't that overlap. And you, as a rugby viewer, aren't forced to be able to decide between national team or Sevens Entertainment, which are great rugby products all in their own right. But do they deserve to have their own time as well? That is an important question. But as it stands, we know that uh, Scott Ferrara will actually be on site again for the PR7s, I believe. So you want to tell us a little bit about that, Scott? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be out on site at PR7. So come hang out with me. Come say hi to me. Come take a, a picture of me. Uh, Doug Coyle from DJ Coyle Rugby is also going to be there. So I'm going to be hanging out. Yeah, which leg are you going to be at? Uh, we're going to be at we're, me and Doug. You're going to be at DC hanging out together. So come to the 16th, watch the Eagles beforehand. I'm sure we're going to find a spot beforehand and have, have a nice adult beverage. And then we're going to go right to Audi field and see it's 20,000 people. I think we're going to have a nice event. I'm very excited. Right. And, and if you need highlights, he will have his phone on flow while it's going on. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's obviously a great rugby product and we wish them well because we always want more rugby in America. And that's the key, right? But we also want to make sure that do it in a smart and wise way. So again, tell us what you think as a fan of the rugby rant. Do you think that we're on par with what it should be? Do you think we're way off base? Tell us whatever you think by following us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod on all social media. We'd love to hear from you. And in fact, we're going to take a break and we'll be back and you'll be hearing more from us. But before then, I remind you that you can get more from us each and every week by following us on patreon.com. We have an additional rant, more debate episodes and extended interviews with rugby insiders in our familiar run, pass or kick interviews. And on that note, we're going to be back for one of those shortly. Hey everybody. It's the big guy. I'm here to talk to you about our partner, Aversio wellness. Aversio means change. Their mission is to change lives through fungi. Functional mushrooms are having a moment in 2022 because they offer two things that we all need most right now. The first thing is long-term stress support. The second thing is long-term immune support. Right now, many athletes have a secret weapon. They're powered by mushrooms. Warrior can be taken daily to help your body utilize more oxygen efficiently by improving lung capacity and enhancing blood flow. The big guy takes it, the hammer takes it, and Ty the Safa Braga take it. 
Cordyceps Mushroom Extract is the ideal addition to your routine if you're looking to optimize energy and endurance. So do us a favor, go to aversiowellness.com and get 15% off your entire order by using the code RANT15. And that way, when you order your Balance or your Chill or your Awaken, your Defend or your Warrior products, you can get 15% off. Help us help you. Go to aversiowellness.com, use the code RANT15, get your 15% off. Tell them the big guy sent you. Know that the ride or die. I keep boys by my seat. Know that the ride or die. I keep boys by my seat. And here we are, rugby fans, again with that familiar favorite, the run, pass, or kick interviews with your team here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Now, joining me, of course, as per usual, is my sidekick over here. Now, I probably should glorify it a little better. My co-host, not sidekick. That doesn't give him the due justice. Of course, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, and more importantly, man of the moment, the important person here to be put to the test in the run, pass, or kick interviews. We have Marquise Goodwin. You know him for, as you see him out on the green more often than not with major league rugby, college rugby across the U.S. He certainly is somebody who lives, eats, and breathes rugby, and that's why he's in the right place here. Marquise, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Been looking forward to this for over a couple of years now, ever since episode <laughs> one, two, or three. And uh, just marking it on my calendar as, as something, one of those goals I'm going to hit, and I'm finally here. So, you know, All thank right. you for giving me on and uh, looking forward to it. I love it. Everything you have done in rugby has led to this moment. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think Marquise felt snubbed up to this point. So, you got to <laughs> Oh, give I did. Me- you guys have some other referees on. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I see how it is. I see how it is. <laughs> he is now going to be on again, every man. week. Yeah. <laughs> Just give me so, all those so seconds, five minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, for those for those people that are tuning in, I got to make sure they know exactly the rugby royalty we're working with here. And we're going to dive deep into your, your history here when it's connected to rugby. So let's share a few of the highlights. Special education for a special needs teacher, third and fourth grade. Uh, teacher, coach, Frederick Douglas, Academy Elementary, onto uh, uh, higher levels with head coach, women's rugby at UC Santa Barbara. Then you have your opportunity to work with USA Rugby and you work uh, as a rugby official, leading forth with that experience, and you become the vice president of Southern California Referees Society. If that's not enough, the list is going on and on here. Referee Development Officer for SoCal Ref Society, and then USA Referee Development Officer, and now, more recently, MLR Disciplinary Officer, and of course, a rugby official for uh, Major League Rugby as well. So you certainly know your stuff, but we're still going to put you to the test here on the run, pass, or kick. Like I said, everything has been leading to this moment. Don't mess it up. (laughs) <laughs> but <I'll> Vigil, <laughs> let's hand it over to rob hadishmith to remind everybody how it works okay so welcome for new fans who have never been a part of or witnessed a run pass or kick interview and so for those people who are uninitiated we'll explain a little bit of how that works basically we're going to plug away at about 14 or 15 questions to marquise here and we're going to prompt each of those questions with run, pass, or kick. And so just like anybody that's been involved in rugby, Marquise is going to have to have uh, a decision to make with each question. And he can run with a question, which is to say he's going to go ahead and answer it straight up. He can go ahead and pass on a question. He doesn't want to get himself in trouble with Mike Lash or any of his other mates that wear the pink. Or he can have a lot of fun with us, which I'm pretty sure that Marquise is keen to do today. He can kick a question to us And that means that he's going to put us on the back foot, put us on the defensive, make us work a bit. And we're going to have to answer the question in a way that we think Marquise would answer it. And he can grade us out. He can add a little uh, soup to the sauce and give us a little feedback on it and, you know, tell us we were good, poor, or uh, provide a little context that perhaps we may not have addressed in our answer. And uh, we'll assume that the person that asked the question uh, will answer it unless Marquise decides to direct his kick to either Ty or myself. And he'll just let us know what he's going to do with each answer and let us know if, in fact, he's going to direct that kick. So, Marquise, are you ready for the run, pass, or kick challenge? Man, just blowing a whistle, man. Game started. Let's go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we're gonna get- 
going to get this uh, bad boy kicked off here with the first question. I'm going to ask Scott, who's producing our episode, to put a little image up for us, if he could. There it is. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, every, everybody who knows and has watched uh, up to this point and see all our run passer kicks know that I love to do a deep dive into social media. And, guys, if you haven't checked out, checked out Marquise's Facebook page, you need to because he has some great photographs, wonderful family photographs, uh, great photographs with him and his fellow officials. But perhaps one of my favorites, just because – uh, it could be an ad um, in one of those travel magazines you find on the airlines, <laughs> you know, for a beach someplace, you know, in like a Tahitian Island or something like that um, as, as Marquise here. Um, run past or kick Marquise. You're clearly an ocean guy being from so uh, SoCal uh, there. Do you always wear budgie smugglers when you're on the beach? I'm a, I'm a run with this one. And then I'm a, I'm a also give you a little plug. Cause I no I don't wear budgie smugglers, uh, smugglers. <laughs> You know, I, I support the local economy. I, I I wear noodle bags. Great company out of San Diego. All right. Great company out of San Diego. Local local guys doing it big. You got to support the local economy. I like economy. it. I like it. All right. I wear noodle bags. And then uh, just a little bit of extra Rob, put on sprinkle on top. I wear those, you know, pretty much for every game too. So they under there. So if you're thinking, you know. Keep it tight. Keep it right. So, so oh, Noodle yeah. Bags is always supporting you. Always supporting you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, then I'm, I'm frankly, Marquis, I'm a little disappointed. The MLR's April Fool's uh, little ad, ad, advertisement, they had a couple guys. I think one of them was DTH. He, he had his buddy smugglers hanging out. They were saying that they were going to auction them off. I, I'm a little disappointed they didn't put your Noodle Bags out there for auction for the for the for all the ladies out there to bid on. Yeah, re- referees. Uh, you know they they aren't as abundant as players. So our you know it's ours. It's, it'll it'll go pretty high. So you know, <laughs> yeah, right. Low right. stock, low stock. Probably Those works are... in some circles. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's take the opportunity to dive into the refereeing note for a moment. And I got the opportunity to line up the next question here, and we're going to get into it now because obviously rugby is such an important part of your life. And for so many different people, they've come to enjoy rugby for different reasons, and their pathway has been very different. So my question to you is, run, pass, or kick, how did you end up being a referee? Oh, this is um, this is a It's got to be a run, right? Uh, yeah, it, it got to be, but I'm a referee, and I never take the pressure. I always put the pressure back on to the captain. So go ahead, um, kick this one back to you, Ty. <laughs> okay. So they say just like uh, like 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 coaches, those who can't teach uh, uh, co- or play coach, uh, then if you don't can't coach, you referee, right? Throwing shade, apparently. He no, you right I, I'm, I'm only teasing. I'm only teasing. No, genuinely though, for people who really really have a passion for the sport and want to be able to give back. And to build a rugby community, one of the most underserved parts of rugby is officiating. But yet it has such an important impact to grow the sport. Because while it's easy to be able to give a a, a rugby ball to a player, you still need to be able to have those to be able to guide them and to be able to mentor. And coaches uh, and and referees all have a very similar mentality. Is They're there for the greater good of the sport and they put themselves second and they put the players in the game first. That's probably what brought you to it. And you're fit the personality and you're a great ambassador because of it. Man, that's, that's, uh, but I'll give it a three out of 10. Three. Three out of 10. Solid three out of 10. Cause it was, it was good. But, but Ty. What's bad if if the three is good? You gotta, you gotta understand where we're going, right? This is major league rugby now, right? So we're super competitive. So my start of refereeing, actually came from when I was coaching and it was a way to scout high school players to see who we can uh, recruit to come uh, and play rugby with us. And so on Friday nights, I'll go out, do some high school games and, and give a talking and a bit of a scouting to uh, the players and and introduce them to our system and, and get a good sense out of, out of who, who should be coming up the ranks, which is something that I think most, colleges should be doing they should have uh, a mechanism in place that constantly gets eyes out into the community to see who's there and then start developing those relationships with those players to get them into the universities um right and then coincidentally i kind of made some money from it 
you know, so it was a win-win. I was uh, double dipping, got paid uh, to refereeing. And then um, the reason why I started to actually referee, because um, as I, I will say I was a pretty good player. And in my coaching career, you know, was, we were doing pretty well as coaches and um, had a couple of people say, hey, there's, you know, you may be a national panel referee one day. I was like, I don't know what that means. But it was like, <laughs> yeah, you can represent the country. And I was like, oh, well, I can tell you this. Um, that sounds good. Yeah, 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 it, it does, because we just finished up some NI, I think it was NITs back in the day, where we used to have that that regional tournament, and it was right after World Cup, so we played against Pacific Coast Grizzlies, and all of those World Cup players came back. I got some hits, and I was like, dude, I'm I'm not making it to that level, so <laughs> it was it was another way to hit that goal uh, of representing the country, so um, definitely refereeing route was, was a way to go, but Ty, you know, I'm sorry, four, four or five. You were there. You're there. Can we Four make a note that this is the first and last time Marquise is joining us? <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Enjoy it's it. Cool. Soak it up. <laughs> I am. I am. I am. So, and and I I love that story of why you came into officiating because it is it is a a, a unique angle at you know why people come in and do something more for the game. You came at it as a means to help your your players um, to help your program and to grow and improve the game um, and, and kind of almost fell into it accidentally, if you will. But then the competitive side of you took over and it's wonderful to see. Um, And I, and I love the idea. And I want to just real quick touch upon this. I think Marquise makes a great point. Any of you, you know, young rugby players that are going into college playing rugby in college, especially at some of those major universities that compete you know, across the nation, you know, get your referee cert and begin to officiate the local club scene, you know, the, the local high school and the, and the junior high scene, if you can, and kind of get a better inner working knowledge of the game through refereeing and get right. paid to do it. And then you can also do what Marquise did, yeah. which is use as a means to, you know, bring and attract better players into your program. So right. it's a great lesson for all those young people out there. On that note, I want to send a shout out to the Iowa Youth Rugby Association, who took 11 senior players currently playing in clubs in or around the Des Moines area and gave them certification this past Saturday, 11 new uh, officiators, uh, uh, officials uh, for youth rugby in Iowa. So, and that's to your point there, Rob, I was just building yeah. on it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I want to build on that. Um, and maybe you already answered this a little bit, but I'd be interested if you go into this a little bit deeper, uh, run pass or kick. Um, you know, we've talked about you being a college coach. You talked a little bit about how that was, a you know, a parlay into getting into officiating, but you know, when you were coaching and officiating, how much did your expertise in officiating help you as a coach for your players run pass or kick? Um, I'll, I'll run with this one. Uh, I would say it it helped tremendously because I think in the U.S. what what we lack is game knowledge, game understanding. Um, and I, I I was lucky enough to go to a college in our program was fairly fairly successful. You know we practice four times a week, and mm-hmm. you know we're top ten in the country. So those programs who who are you know the Linda Woods, the Life, those players get a really good. Um, game knowledge and understanding but I never I used to play water polo in high school so this is my first field sport was 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 college rugby and um as I got into coaching the what the refereeing did was allow me to explain the intricacies a lot more to the players so I actually knew what I was saying and I understand and I understood why and I had my players understood why I was saying it Right. So whatever plays we were running, whatever things we're doing, kicking, blah, blah, blah. I had a rationale behind it um, that was fixed in data and everything else because I can pull the stats up. I can say, you know, when we kick to the corner, we 98 percent successful because of this, this, this and that. And the players like it sounds about right, even though I got the American accent, you know, (laughs) so (laughs) it was was, it was good. It was good. So I I will say 100 percent. It gets you into. Uh, seeing a different aspect of, of of rugby as a whole, and it, and it gets your game knowledge and uh, understanding up. So, yeah, right. It's a much more in depth understanding of the game, and you know that helps that education and the sharing of the education too. That uh, yeah, certainly does help with the results. Um, I want to dive into the next question here. 
and it's kind of building on what we spoke about a moment ago is getting more referees run past a kick what is the one thing that you would say from your experience having seen it at different levels of the game already that we can do as a rugby community to encourage more people to take up the whistle. Oh, to take up the whistle. Okay. Um, well, with... I mean, and, and I mean that in regards to actually refereeing or coaching, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I, I strongly, I'm going to run with this one because this is the run past sure. the kick. Um, I strongly believe that, that the reason is the relationships when you have a good relationship with someone, you can kind of convince them and, 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 and lure them to different aspects of rugby. Um, right. I can go out and say we have a, a course, a clinic, but as a referee, you're going to be out there pretty much alone. You're going to rock up by yourself, um, and, and when, especially when you're first beginning, and it's going to be a lot of things that you're not going to be able to answer and a lot of pressure put on you. But without that strong relationship with a mentor, um, it's, it's going to be tough. So everyone recruiting more referees, you have to you have to build a relationship with the individuals more than just, oh, I want you to referee just so because we have these games. It has to be ingrained in why that person is attracted mm-hmm. to rugby and then how refereeing can help them accomplish those goals. Um, and so the, the crew that I work with is the same thing. I always always ground myself in and making sure that they're enjoying their rugby, whether it's refereeing, coaching, developing Zoom calls, whatever it is, and it aligns with the goals they're trying to have. Um, on a weekend. So it's, it's all about that relationship you built. Right. And that, that, that's really interesting. I think that's one of the, for people that watch this show, they know that I, I have officiated wrestling for about 17 years. I've gotten back into coaching recently, but I do know that that's probably one of the things that is most effective in helping uh, to bring people into officiating. When you develop those relationships, help people along in their officiating career is continuing to support them and continuing to develop that relationship so that they're encouraged to continue to improve and get better and, and move to those next levels um, as, as clearly you have done. And I want to talk a bit about that development component. Uh, you're a chief development officer. I've played that role both in SoCal and have done a bit of that with the MLR. So um, I'm sure that you, 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 your answer to this next question would be well-grounded in experience. Run, pass, or kick generally how well do we, as an American rugby community, help to develop quality officials? Quality. <laughs> a pretty, pretty high bar. I mean, I got a three out of ten on my own. <laughs> Marquise is going to say, with the exception of me, there are no quality no, officials. Right, right. No, no. <laughs> no, what I'm, what honestly, and I think the, um, from a development side, is very important to kick this one back to our constituents because if you don't understand how we're developing referees and you have a different perception, that's something for us to take back into account. So Mm -hmm. Rob, we kicking this one back to you. How do we develop? Am I answering this as you or am I answering this as, as me? Because I want you to, yeah, answer it, answer it as you. uh, And then I'm going to follow, I'm going to follow up. I think it's very important. Like that question is super important because because people have perceptions of, of how it's actually done. So I can't right. speak to, I, I, I think it depends largely upon the, the local unions and, and mm-hmm. in the case, especially of in my experience at the youth rugby level here, rugby, Illinois had an initiative where they required each team that was certified, you know, with rugby, Illinois. So that would be high school mm-hmm. and junior high programs. All of them had to have at least a level one official, on their staff, right? So I think that was the first step is providing an incentive um, for programs to at least get, you know, more officials into the game, so to speak. Um, So that was one thing. Um, Then I think another thing was they really did a nice job at at then um, allowing opportunities for high school kids. Once they've done a season, they had to have a season of actual playing under their belt before they could be an assistant official and mm. a work with an actual official, um, you know, through a match. And so they would almost follow that official. Um, and then, you know, that's where we didn't see as much the follow-up, like how well were they 
supporting those young officials in the process to help them grow, to help them continue the development or the knowledge of the rules and, and progress up the ladder. It's something that, that, that maybe that's where the, the things tailed off, right? Is the follow-up and continue to support piece that you hit upon earlier. But again, that's from my experience in here in Illinois. I can't say that that's typical of the other unions around the United States. Well, you, you are, you are right on track. Um, and I will, I'm going to get back to your question because I've, you, you mentioned quality and, and that's a, that's different than what most, I will say societies try to accomplish, which is, Hey, we need games covered, right? We need, a, we need, we need 20 referees. We need 40 referees. We need to get people certified and covering these games. And I've I, I worked on the back end of rugby societies and, and did it all. And what I focus on now is, is essentially that question is like, all right, how do we turn these individuals into really good quality referees that people respect um, and, and want at their games? So I, what, what I do is the same approach I have I had as a coach, which is we need two locks. So who do you recruit? I recruit some kids who are six foot three. I know what I'm looking for, right? Like I know exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a lock. So with refereeing, there's there's certain qualities that will make individuals uh, exceed expectations very quickly. And those individuals usually have great personalities. It's the, it's the guy or girl you want to go out with after the game. Um, everyone likes them. They're charismatic. Um, they know how to talk. They're a really good player. They have a lot of attributes. And so what we do to get quality officials is target the very – I I target a very specific types or tips and types of people who love the game of rugby and who want to accelerate and and, all, and also have different jobs within rugby. Um, once once they get hooked on the refereeing, once I could kind of get them into continue to get games every week, um, it goes right back into the relationship. And usually those individuals are super competitive and everything that we do is, is online reviews, everything else like that. And so those individuals carry those characteristics on and, and they progress exponentially in comparison to those who are just fulfilling Saturday's games, just rocking up. I got a whistle. I'll cover it. No yeah. film analysis, no yeah. Bronco tests, no physical things like they just they just there to do it. And the perception of referees, they kind of lump us all together. But it's essentially the same as Major League Rugby and Club Rugby. These guys are 40 hours a week training. These guys, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so when we talk about quality officials, I want to make sure I put those officials in a high performance like environment and then also make sure they have all the resources that they need in order to, to compete, whether that's financially, more games, um, making sure they have a side job or whatever they need to do to compete at that level. Um, that's what we try to do and just replicate that as much as possible. Right. Hopefully Sign me up. On the level, allow them to be a little <laughs> bit more focused and, and raise that level of professionalism. I'm down. If I can have a, a adult beverage and sit down and watch game film on myself officiating with Marquise, sign me. Up. <laughs> anytime, anytime. He said quality, Rob. Oh. <laughs> Not about that part. What's that saying? Yeah. So yeah. it has been a quality conversation with you so far, though, Marquise, and you're offering such incredible insight uh, in terms of this refereeing, your experience and all of that. And we don't want to be able to take anything more away from that. In fact, we're going to give you much more time to speak. But for those of you at home who want to be able to learn more about rugby through this gentleman, you can catch us on Patreon.com. Follow us there. And for only a few bucks each month, you can get additional content like extended interviews with our run, pass or kick interviews. Uh, but more importantly, you'll have access to a great amount of rugby rants, the debate episodes and everything in between by following us for as little as only three bucks a month, less than a beer, right? And that's as easy as it is to be able to get hours of additional content from us here on the Rugby Rant. And again, you can find us at our new home on Patreon.com. And we'll be back in just a few moments uh, and we'll be uh, sharing a little bit more. But uh, for the rest of you, we'll see you at Patreon.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.